0: In accepting the Nobel Prize for Literature, Toni Morrison recounted a story told across cultures. Once upon a time, there was an old woman, blind, wise. In the version I know, the woman is the daughter of slaves, black, American and lives alone in a small house outside of the town Her reputation for wisdom is without peer and question Among her people she is both the law and its transgression The honor she is paid and the awe in which she is held reach beyond her neighborhood to places far away To the city where the intelligence of rural prophets is the source of much amusement one day, some young people visit the woman who seemed to be bent on disproving her clairvoyance and showing her up for the fraud they believe she is. Their plan is simple. They enter her house and ask the one question they answer to which rides solely on her difference from them, a difference they regard as a profound disability, her blindness. They stand before her and one of them says, old woman, I hold in my hand a bird. Tell me whether it is living or dead. She does not answer. And the question is repeated, is the bird I am holding living or dead? Still, she doesn't answer. She is blind and cannot see her visitors, let alone what is in their hands. She does not know their color, gender, or homeland. She only knows their motive. The old woman's silence is so long, the young people have trouble holding their laughter. Finally, she speaks, and her voice is soft but stern. I don't know, she says. I don't know whether the bird you are holding is dead or alive. But what I do know, is that it is in your hands it is in your hands they tried to catch this woman and she merely pointed out to them what they had at that moment decision-making responsibility and opportunity this story's point brings us to what jesus expounds on in the gospel lesson responsibility and decisions that can make or break opportunity and the question for our consideration in hearing the gospel parable is what we do with the options that life beckons upon us the parable goes something like this a businessman enlists three of his assistants to handle large sums of money for some time while he goes on a trip the businessman gave each assistant a sum according to their ability to manage that amount. The three individuals decide on how they will handle their responsibility. Two of them decide that they will take it upon themselves to reflect on their boss's personality and believe it wise to invest the money entrusted to them. The story doesn't say precisely how, but they understood that they could not hoard opportunity. The third assistant becomes afraid and decides to keep the money hidden. Not an unusual thing, but was a decision based on fear. The Greek word used in the gospel, talenta or talent, is simply another word for large sums of money. Given the social perception of large sums of money, the word talenta became calibrated with ability. Culturally, this has led to the idea of one's natural ability to do something well. And alas the word talent. The businessman eventually comes back and is proud of the two assistants who invested his money. They doubled what they got and because they were savvy they ended up with a business deal. The third assistant let his fear cripple his decision-making ability and in forfeiting opportunity forfeited the hope of possibility. Choosing fear over vision, left him eventually void. While in the context of the New Testament, this parable had apocalyptic inferences to what it meant to think about the end times, I'd like to reflect on it a bit differently. This parable tells the story of what it meant to respond to decision-making processes with opportunity in mind and reflecting on the cost of being swayed by emotional hijacks. We can think about our lives' choices either versed in opportunity and responsibility, or allow fear to take us hostage. Making decisions based on fear is the way our personal psychology protects us from messing up. But fear can also inhibit responsibility and deter a sense of purpose greater than fleeting emotions. We have been given opportunities and abilities from the very beginning of life. We don't always understand our narratives this way. Our families of origin, other background demographics, or genetic makeup may feel more like a liability than a blessing. But it is an essential spiritual discipline to ask oneself often, what are the opportunities life has given me? And how have I responded to such in a responsible way? Some might say, count your blessings. I instead say, count your opportunities. Sometimes the things that happen to us don't seem clearly useful. But if you allow God in, even the questionable part of your story can point to the mystery of God i invite you to take a moment and sit with what does it mean to know that as a living being, God has been at work in your life, allowing you to live, love, laugh, cry, sing, and be aware that you are not alone in the world. Your life story has been about opportunities and abilities granted. How often do you spend time thinking about it that way? rather than a secularized coincidental that you merely exist. The ancient Greeks reflected on life by thinking of the three fates. In classical mythology, they they were personified by three seamstresses who spun out one's destiny at birth. While fate has a cultural romanticism attached to it, the fates were seen as cold, stern, and as unforgiving. Life was what you got, and that's it. Clotho spun the thread of life. Lacthesis measured the length of life. And Atropos cut life's end. The fates determine the past, present, and future. But what if fate is something you are responsible for in how you react to opportunity with a sense that your life has meaning? and that God is the mystery spun in it all. Again, while Jesus' parable has some apocalyptic meaning to it, I'll pose it this way. What does it mean to know between the here and now, and your life's end, that you have some tasks to figure out that involve not only you, but others? If we take heed to the idea that God is at work in our lives, This question revolves around, what good can I generate in the world with the means I have at hand in the time that God has given? In the Methodist tradition, we talk about God's work in our lives and in the world as grace. As God's wondrous love, grace shows up in ways that we are both aware of and in other ways unknown. Becoming aware of said grace That God is at work in our lives, and the world means that we can see possibilities in the world, even a fragile, broken one. We can do something with the awareness that our lives are meaningful, and to move past ourselves in the writing of the world's redemption is to partner with God. God's grace requires us to take note of what we have and how we use what we have to improve and liberate humanity. I heard a brilliant reflection on this parable as a way of thinking about privilege and how you should think about what you have and how you can turn that into another's growth opportunity. Thinking about how much privilege you have and how you are responding to that privilege is important. But just being grateful or fearful about it is not how we can reimagine the world. Whether privilege means that you are white, a cisgendered male, physically able, heterosexual, or economically advantaged, if you can see that you have a responsibility to be accountable, you can generate hope. And if you aren't swayed by fear, and you give up some of your excess privilege, you will see that there is much more to you than that which makes you privileged. Think about those who have less, who are thought about as less, and see your task as an embodiment of God's transformative grace in the world's narrative. Or perhaps you might feel that you don't have as much as others, that the odds are against you, that life's variables and oppressive social structures have written a bleak story of possibility for you. Please know that God's grace has been at work in your life, too. And your story counts. Don't let go. And let fear knock you down and throw you into the ground. Envision your life as an opportunity for something greater than you can imagine and dare to see beyond what is and capture what can be. God has entrusted you with a chance, too challenge fear with trust that the mystery of god will envelop your story you see god too takes opportunity serious let's join god